This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is, I almost said, this is fajitas. No, <laughs> no, no don't, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about fajitas. We are. We are. This episode is also, we should say, being recorded outdoors in a park. So you're going to hear some airplanes. Yeah. And uh, anyway. It's fine. Like after, after like the next hundred episodes that are all recorded at the park, people will just get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great when, what are going to be some of the sound effects in real winter if we're recording in the park? Like right now, you know, it's like kind of late summer, fall. What What is real winter? This is not a phrase I'm familiar with. Do you experience <laughs> some sort of winter in July? No, I mean like like winter winter. Okay, well, um, I what guess are like, be sound effects? like uh, icy winds. Heavy rain. Heavy rain, uh, like uh, ice skates moving across the frozen pond. Yes, yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. Christmas carols. Oh, I can't wait for <laughs> like, that. Like, like a bunch of kids will come by caroling and we'll like give them whatever whatever snack we're eating. This, you know that, that like the lead up to Christmas is my favorite time of wait, year. Wait, when, when kids come caroling, are you supposed to give them candy? <laughs> no. I'm thinking of Halloween. That's what that well, is. Well, and that is coming up because this episode is coming out on Thursday, October 16th. What are you dressing up as? Well... Today, it's August 9th when we're recording this, and I haven't decided We have this yet. curtain for a reason. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, no, okay. I'm the Wizard of Oz. Uh, right. I'm dressing up as the Wizard of Oz for Halloween. Okay, I'm going to dress up as, well, Alice is Toto. Oh, We've that's got cute. Alice here in the park, so this I'm Dorothy. A, oh, this will be great. You'll yeah. be Dorothy. I'll be the wizard. What does the wizard wear? You'll well, only, you only see him for like have, a couple minutes. It's going to be great that you've been losing your hair because I think it's, he's bald. It's been great in, in so many ways. Or almost bald. <laughs> You're gonna wear like a, a suit. I like I like how you phrased have have been losing as though as though this is like a new or ongoing phenomenon. Yeah. Wait, it's not ongoing. Well, I mean, it's pretty much gone. So. Well, you still you have like a tonsure. You're right. I do have a tonsure. I'm like a medieval monk. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyway, all right. Today we're talking about fajitas. Let's go down memory lane. Yes. You go first. Okay. So I have a couple of fajita memories. I definitely remember vividly fajitas becoming really popular in the early 90s. And my high school girlfriend, this would have been in the early 90s, Either she or one of her friends worked at the zoo. Okay. Uh, the memory has become foggy. But I, the part I remember is that one time she could not wait to tell me that someone, that they, that they serve fajitas at, at, the uh, at the zoo cafe. I know that seems what? weird. On like a sizzling platter? <laughs> no, just like like in a, like a to-go wrap. Okay. Uh, like a burrito. Okay. And uh, that someone had ordered a fajita and it was the funny, <laughs> like, like. You know, it just made everyone's day working the terrible job at the zoo cafe. Oh, my God. What rock did that person crawl out from under? Yeah, I think it was actually, like, that her friend Connie worked at the zoo. I'm realizing now that... that, uh, You don't actually remember whether this person was your girlfriend or not, or where she worked? (laughs) Who knows? That, uh, well, my girlfriend was named Kathy, and her her best friend was named Connie, and these sound like names from, like, the 50s, right? Yeah. Okay. Did you eat any fajitas on Memory Lane? Yes. Um, mostly from Taco Bell, because I remember when they, they introduced their steak fajita, and I thought it was great. And, and I remember eating sizzling platter fajitas at, at like, a Mexican-American restaurant, mm-hmm. Tex-Mex restaurant. I remember, like, seeing other people order, like, a sizzling, you know, uh, like, a, would you call it... Uh, is it a like a little cast platter? iron skillet, yeah. or it's it's well, flatter? It's not like a little griddle. No, it's it's like I don't think it's usually cast iron, although it can be. But it's it's usually like like a like a wooden saucer, like a wooden base that that like a metal plate sits on, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Right. Okay. And I think yeah. I think in in like the restaurant industry, it's called a sizzle platter. Well, what I remember or sizzle plate. Is I don't know. Seeing being in a Tex Mex restaurant and seeing someone else order it and it coming by and being audibly sizzling. Okay, let's talk about that because I put that on the agenda, but I want to talk about it now. Okay. So to, did that induce you to order it also? Oh no, because as a child, I cannot impress upon you how easily frightened I was. So you were afraid of burning your finger? I was totally afraid of burning my finger on it. I also thought the peppers looked, I think even though I knew they weren't spicy, I think I felt daunted by it. But I would have never ordered it in large part because it was loud (laughs) and and hot. (laughs) Yeah. Like a furnace. Like like an inferno. Like an like yeah. Like a bonfire. It was like someone carried a bonfire through a Tex-Mex restaurant every time I saw one. See, the point I was going to make was exactly the opposite, which is that I think fajitas, like, as soon as, like, it's it's no surprise that it became a trend because, like, as soon as someone, like, carries it through the restaurant, everyone's heads turn and they're, they're like, this this dish, like, advertises itself. Do you think that there's actually, like, some sort of tiny speaker melted? I mean, (laughs) mean, mounted. would have melted. (laughs) Mounted on the bottom of a sizzle platter so that like you know like pumping like butter smells out of a a bakery it's a smart idea yeah Yeah. like just to keep it sizzling throughout the meal and then like (laughs) later like you work in the kitchen at the restaurant and like flip the switch right or i was like you you know you can't figure out how to turn it off and it's like an i love lucy lucy kind of thing there's all these sizzling platters Mm -hmm. because like the thing i realized was i was trying to think of like what are the other dishes that that uh like sizzle that advertise themselves as they're coming through the restaurant. So I thought of Dulcet Bibimbap. Ah, yes. Also, Audible Sizzle. And do you remember when we went to Sichuan Zhongjing Restaurant 
in Vancouver. I remember going. It was, I think you were on your honeymoon. With my first with marriage. Your first, with your first spouse. Oh my God. Matthew, it is crazy. Not only how long we've known each other, but like how many stories we have from a long time ago. Yeah. Literally, that was 14 years ago. Yeah. No, we've been, we've been doing this show for like a quarter of your life, I think. Uh, more than a quarter. More of my than a life. quarter. Okay. I'm going to be 40. I, I just actually, sorry, the timing of this episode is such that I am 43. Okay, right, and we've been doing it for 11 and a half years. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so so like it's so we're we're coming up on a quarter of my life. Yes. Right. Oh, anyway, so so it's uh, at this uh, Szechuanese restaurant in Vancouver. My favorite thing there is the deluxe Dan Dan noodles, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure we ordered them. And they're they're prepared like they they come like in a bowl with the toppings, but then the uh, the waiter will like mix them like very like slowly and precisely. I think I remember. And, I think it was the first time I had Dan Dan noodles. Yeah, and we'll then like serve them up into each person's bowl like without like spilling a drop of the peanutty sauce. And I figured, like, if I had seen that happening at someone else's table, I'd be like, and can we get that? You know what I kind of miss? I miss, like, the tableside Caesar salad preparations yes. uh, of the 80s. Have or we like, done a Caesar salad episode? I don't know if we have. I don't know. Seems like we should. We definitely should. I would love to. I I miss tableside Caesar salad. Uh, There was always like you know tableside. There were you know in the era. Guacamole. Oh, tableside guacamole. Yeah. Occasionally, if you were at a really fancy place, there was like tableside flambéing of your souffle. Yes. Banana. Do you remember when we did the bananas Foster episode? That was so good. (laughs) I know. We should we should make that again. Um, I did make it one more time after that episode, and then kind of forgot about it but yeah oh man you know i think what else used to be like used to sell itself as it came to the table i don't know i think that was a pretty good list <laughs> i think so too like i think i think like a like a heavily you know what you know what else like i'm, I'm still like in the in the like mexican restaurant mindset but like mm-hmm. sangria like when you see the pitcher yes. like with all the like f- slices oh, yes. of fruit and stuff yes yeah it right doesn't on. make a, it doesn't make a noise but that's correct. Right. <laughs> well, maybe ice cubes. Yeah, like tinkling ice cubes. Yeah, tinkle, tinkle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, as all ice cubes go. Okay, I need to ask you a question now before we go any further. Mm-hmm. Have you ever eaten fajitas? No. Okay, I, I know <laughs> I, that was the answer I expected. Okay. Like, okay. like when, we're, not, we're not taping at my house today or I would have made fajitas probably. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll make you some sometimes. What, <laughs> what do you think they're like? <laughs> I think they're like I think they're like strips of meat that have been grilled uh next to uh like grilled or well sauteed strips of onion and bell pepper. Yes, that's right. And, yes. and served with and warmed served with tortillas. Warm flour tortillas. Usually flour tortillas, although you can do corn tortillas. And it just seems weird to me that there's no. It seems like a diet food. Like there's no sauce or anything. Well, but on they're it. usually like, served with pico de gallo, guacamole, okay. sour cream. How is this not just like make your own flour tortilla? Like what is make your own <laughs> flour tortilla taco? Like what makes a fajita a fajita? It's the it's the peppers and onions and the fact that it's. I mean, like it is it is related to is like it, a taco al carbon. Is like it because a, the meat is cut into strips? Yes. Well, let's let's jump into the etymology. Okay. Okay. 
comes from the Spanish word faja, which is which is like a, a strip or a belt. And so uh, uh, fajitas is a uh, is a diminutive term for like little belts, little little belts or little strips. Okay. And it originally referred to the steak strips themselves, but of course, uh, you know, cynic. Dokically, quickly came to refer to the dish mean, as a whole. Do you mean synecdoche? Yeah, I mean synecdoche. What, what, <laughs> but I was trying to turn it into wait, an adverb. What is synecdoche? A, a synecdoche is when a part stands in for the whole. No, it's a town in New York. Yeah, Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, wait. Synecdoche is when a part stands in for a whole. Yeah. So, so like, mm, um, okay. uh, give me, give me an example from like uh, English literature. Oh, God. No, but I'm just thinking, because when I learned these things, I think it was like sophomore year of high school, and we were reading like Shakespeare and Beowulf and like the Chaucer Tales. Okay, well, oh, if the you, Canterbury Tales. Here's, here's an example the of synecdoche. The, the Chaucer Tales, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, read, <laughs> you read Chaucer's latest Chaucer Tales? <laughs> what did Chaucer write? Did the Canterbury Tales, you're right. You were on the right track. The Wife of Bath's Tale and the like. <laughs> we also read like Ben Johnson, John Donne, like all those old English poets. Okay, so here's an example of a synecdoche <laughs> from, from English literature. If you describe someone as a black belt, that's a synecdoche because oh! they are not themselves a black belt, but they are wearing a black belt and, and that stands what in for I'm the What if I'm described whole. as a redhead? Um, mm. I, th- I mean, mm. yeah, I think it's close. Huh. Give me another example. <laughs> I am so proud of coming up with black belt. Um, um, like I've, there, there are people, there are types of yeah. people or workers or something who are categorized for their hats. <laughs> what? Like a hard hat? No, no. there's like um, <laughs> like a like a uh, what are the like the the the, the green berets? Yes, the green berets, well known as a synecdoche. Right? That's a type of type of worker that is known by their hat. I feel like what just flashed before my eyes was like an entire Richard Scary scene. Like a lot of busy town. Where the Green Berets have to be called in to break up. Yeah, Stitches the Tailor. A situation between Lonely Worm. Oh, the White Helmets. Yeah, the White Helmets. I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Bring in the white helmets to Busy Town. Okay, if we must. <laughs> okay. Oh like, God. I mean, uh, lowly, lowly worm. Like it's, it's really, it's really like upsetting that that uh, he was shot down in a hail of gunfire, but also really impressive because if you've ever he's tried to so shoot thin. a worm, he's so small, <laughs> so and thin. so thin. Like, <gasps> talk about target practice. Talk about target practice. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> The first confirmed appearance of the word fajitas in print to refer to the dish that we now know is uh, from 1971, but was probably used by by Mexican and Texas cooks well before that. <laughs> we're never, we're just not going to get to the fajitas, huh? <laughs> you're you're imagining this lowly worm hostage crisis. <laughs> God, he was the idea so of lowly worm going like Breaking Bad is so funny. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, the idea of lowly worm is just so funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever seen anyone walk Does around lowly on worm one have foot? Arms? Like, no, he has no arms. He's just like a, a one. 
I feel one leg. Because I, I imagine, I imagine in my in this, as you like, like lowly worm, like in the busy town square, like holding a gun to someone's head. But how is he holding the gun with his tail? I have no idea. I mean, Richard Scarry has always managed to present lowly worm, always, so that he like didn't need to hold things. Yes, you're right. You know, he's always just like riding on the back of Huckle's bicycle or so whatever. Someone should do a novel that's like the the true, like the gritty true story of lowly worm. <laughs> Not illustrated, just like a 500-page brick. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay, I think I, I think I can go on now. It's fine. <laughs> this is better than anything I had. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the history. Okay. Uh, and a lot of this comes from a great Austin Chronicle article that seemed to just be called Fajita History. Are you serious? <laughs> that was the headline that I saw. Wow, okay. But we'll link okay. to it. It's from 2005. Okay. And uh, fajitas definitely originated in vaquero cuisine, so like the cuisine of, of uh, Mexican cowboys um, uh-huh. in the first half of the 20th century. Okay. And it is a very simple dish that can be made over a campfire. Oh, my God. Why didn't we make this when we were camping? We should have. Yeah, like fajitas on the camp. Okay, we'll, we'll do this sometime, though. And you, you don't have to be scared because it's very tasty. Okay. I, I will, I'll, I'll sizzle in the kitchen and then bring it to you. Not on you know, platter. we could just bring a little grill here to the park. We could. I think probably you're not supposed to do that. Oh, okay. Fine. I think, I think there's a burn ban in place. There is a burn ban. That also, is also a, a fajita ban, unfortunately. Oh, okay. And uh, skirt steak, which is the, the cut of steak that's, that's most classically used for fajitas and most cooks agree is the best has it's one of those one of those cuts that there's not a lot of on a cow and so has always been considered like a butcher's or cowboy's cut because they get first crack at it whoa cool beetle nice whoa he is making a run for you yeah we had a crane fly on the wall of our living room that was literally like a sentient hot dog. It was so <laughs> big. It How was, did you know it was sentient? Is a, is a crane fly sentient? I, I'm sure a crane yeah. fly is sentient. It has senses. Okay, that's true. Anyway, it was it, so big. Like usually, usually we, you know, like escort whatever bugs we find in the house outdoors. Sure. This one was so This one big. is now a member of the family. This one is now inside our vacuum. Okay. Because it was literally like the size of a Vienna sausage. Like its body wow. was so big. Is like, it crane it, fly the same as, as like a it's a, uh, a lot mis- of people call it a mosquito hawk. eater. Yeah. Yeah, but it isn't. All right. Yeah. But anyway, I'm really, really glad we covered that. Okay, so um, skirt steak, long considered a cowboy or butcher's cut because it's very tasty and there isn't a lot of it to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, fajitas, like through through some means, like became uh, restaurant food in the late '60s. And we'll get into some of the details of that because, as you would expect, there are lots of competing claims for who first put it on the menu, and we'll never know for Don't sure. We all want to be the first to stick our flag in fajitas. Yes, but let's talk about some of them. So, in September 1969, Sonny Falcone, an Austin meat market manager, uh, this is from Wikipedia, by the way, operated the first commercial fajita fajita taco concession stand at a rural DACC celebration in. Kyle, Texas. Uh, what is that uh, like a sixteenth? Yeah, it's the it's the celebration of like the the beginning of the Mexican Revolution. Okay. During that same year, Otilia Garza in, in, introduced fajitas at the Roundup Restaurant in Far, Texas, and uh, so it was fajitas were like you know it was when when a dish bursts into the public consciousness and like you know all at once. Okay. 
And Garza claims that he invented the idea of serving fajitas on a sizzling platter based on the experience of eating, eating queso flameado on a cast iron platter in Acapulco, which unfortunately queso flameado does not seem to be like actually flaming cheese. Oh. It's just really hot cheese. Okay. But it sounds good, right? I really feel like, you know, we, we've kicked around the idea of doing a queso episode before, but neither of yeah. us feel that we know enough. Well, we, we'll get a guest for I think that. we should get a guest and I think we should do it because I want to eat it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. We'll okay. work on that. In August of 2020, the Kyle, Texas City Council voted to change the name of a controversial named road, Rebel Drive, to Fajita Drive yes. in honor of local the local history of the fajita. This is fantastic. I should mention, just because like I, there's going to be like someone wondering if we're going to mention it, there is a not at all funny but very interesting uh, like corruption scandal called Fajita Gate that was a huge deal in San Francisco in the early 2000s. Okay. So Google Google that if you're interested. It's uh, as as far as it's not as bad as these things could have gone, given that it was a police corruption scandal, and it was fascinating. Wow. Okay. Fajita Gate. Yeah. Uh, so okay, I'm gonna from. Uh, the Austin Chronicle article, quote, perhaps the most unlikely character to spread fajita ha- fame, fajita hame. Ooh. Uh, mm. and Love blur- that band. Yeah, exactly. But they are uh, fajita ambassadors for some reason. <laughs> Is it haim or haim? I think it's haim. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. It was German-born chef George Weidmann. I'm assuming it starts spelled with a W, you, but I'm assuming... You're doing great. was the opening chef of the Hyatt Regency in Austin in 1982, and it wasn't long before he recognized the commercial potential of a popular local Tex-Mex dish. The canny chef put, quote, sizzling fajitas on the menu of the Hyatt's La Vista restaurant, and soon sales of the signature dish made it the most profitable restaurant in the Hyatt chain. Weidman spent the last 20 years of his career at the Austin Hyatt, was often called upon to travel to other properties to share his fajita secrets. He used the more tender sirloin with other chefs in the chain. Fajitas remain a Hyatt menu mainstay to this day. Interesting. And uh, Sonny Falcone, the uh, the fajita king, uh, died in 2019 at age 89. He was he was the one who the, uh, uh, the one in Kyle, Texas. Yes, the, okay. the uh, meat market manager. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. So once again, like this thing happened to me, like I think last time, no, we did steak sauce like two tapings ago. And I was surprised to learn that steak sauce like had a rise and precipitous fall in popularity. Guess what? Same thing for fajitas. Can you remind me of what Google Ngram is? So Google Ngram is a, a Google search service where you can see a graph of how often the word you're searching for appears in a corpus over time. And a corpus. So a corpus. A corpus delicti. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, and so the corpus in this case, it's like it's like English, like a huge collection of English language uh, books and articles. Okay. And you're not like searching the actual articles to see what's in them. You're just seeing how often a particular word or phrase comes up. And starting, so before 1980, the mentions of fajitas were close to zero. Okay. Then there's a huge, like, shoot up, it shoots up in popularity up through about 2004 and then drops down almost to zero again. Wow. So nobody wants to eat fajitas now. Well, I mean, I think they are still like a Tex-Mex staple, but nobody's writing food articles or putting right. them in oh, cookbooks the way, okay. the way they were. Okay. Like, it's not like, have you tried? It was a... To, to me, like, I, I think they're great. Like, it clearly was, like, a national fad that, that, like, has now, like, faded back to, like, its land of origin, it seems like. 
Uh, I don't think it's on the menu at Taco Bell anymore, for example. Hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's of it still as, really good. I don't think of it as you know to to use a, a phrase from last week's episode. I don't think of fajitas as a takeaway food. Like I don't think of it as something you would order at the zoo cafe or at Taco but, Bell. It's yeah. like it's got to come on the seasoning seasoning the sizzling platter. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't talked about the seasoning. Like fajita seasoning is important too. Like uh, the marinating. Oh, we'll get there. okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but but like it is something you can eat on the go, like a like a you know a foil wrapped taco or burrito kind mm-hmm. of. But I, I agree. Like I definitely, when you say fajitas, I say how high. No, I say I, I imagine the sizzling. Platter. How how hot and how hot noisy. and sizzling. How not- <laughs> How loud and hot. Okay, when we when we establish our, our blockbuster fajita chain, we are calling it hot and noisy. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I mean, I think of fajitas as, as, like like the the basic thing I expect from fajitas is that you have to assemble it. Is this a, a, a thing? Yeah, it was not. It was not a thing at Taco Bell. So like like when fajitas were super popular, like fajitas t- like takeaway fajitas were were fairly common, and probably I assume still are in Texas. But yes, I definitely think of it as like they bring you a sizzling platter of stuff and some sauces and condiments. And you assemble it to your taste. So let's talk about what what fajitas usually are, like what meat, what vegetables, toppings. Yeah. So classically, it's going to be like one of, one of your like butcher's cuts, like chewier, more flavorful cuts of steak, like okay. skirt steak, flank steak, hanger steak, something like that. Okay. But of course, immediately people started making chicken fajitas, which mm-hmm. are very good. I think of chicken fajitas as like the usual. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, vegetarian fajitas, like often made with like strips of portobello mushrooms. Mushroom, uh, mm-hmm. or zucchini, or like any any hearty vegetables, you could certainly throw like mm-hmm. tofu or, or another meat substitute in there, and uh, shrimp fajitas. Mm. Like I am looking forward to going back at some point to to La Cocina on Broadway, uh, where uh, I've had fajitas a number of times. The the thing I always do there is is like I'll look at the menu and like oh like I'm maybe like I'm I'm like not up for the whole fajita experience. I'll get something else, but next time I'm getting those fajitas. Okay. It's because I'm afraid of burning my fingers. Yeah, yeah, no, it's hot and noisy. It's hot and noisy. Yeah, so you got to have warmed tortillas. And I think you're right, like small flour tortillas, that to me is is fajitas. Lime wedges, pico de gallo, sour cream, guacamole. Cheese is pretty common, but mm. I don't think it's necessary. Mm. Like, I think this is this is one of the few dishes that is that is as good or better without cheese. Mm. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But, but like, it could I be like shredded cheese or queso. drizzling queso. That does sound good. I have not God, tried that. That sounds great. I can't wait for this queso episode. Yeah. And so, like, you know, they're a classic restaurant food, but I've also made them at home a bunch of times, and I think do I'm going to do so pretty soon. Do you grill them at home? No, because I don't grill. 
But you have this little balcony. I mean, what are you actually have the biggest balcony in your building? I have the biggest balcony. Well, I don't know about the backside of the. No, you're right. No, it's what, the, big, I mean, it's the biggest what, balcony. In the building. I was noticing this. I mean, I've been coming to your apartment You've been for my years. Have you just been just, like re- driving by, like yes. cruising by, just like scoping balconies? Exactly. But no, I noticed recently. I was like, whoa. Matthew has the biggest balcony in the building, and they totally don't use it. But then again, if you did use but it, it'd be like you were presiding over the building. We have we have plants on it. Sometimes we let the cat out there. Do you sit there ever? I don't, because it's outdoors, but wife of the show, Lori, does. She does? Like, how yeah. often? Does she, like, have her morning tea out there? I, maybe once a week, like, wow. when the weather's nice. Okay. And, and what about, like, getting a little grill? I think we did do that. Well, I think I've gotten, like, a disposable grill and tried that on the balcony. I'm just, I'm just never going to be a griller, I don't think. Huh. Okay. It just, All right. It just, like, it seems like we're, we're not going to put, like, a big gas grill out there. That wouldn't be allowed. And, like, that's the only kind of grill that doesn't seem like it's so much, like, work to get started. Oh, my God. Yeah, a charcoal grill. I, I've learned I'm not a charcoal grill person. I've never. We put our charcoal grill on Buy Nothing, and mm-hmm. we're so happy to see it yeah, disappear like, into I the admire, back of someone's car. I admire the grillers. I admire the grillers, too. I mean, it is a true uh, skill. Yeah, I admire the natural-born grillers. I imagine... <laughs> The, the, admire the naturalized grillers. <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody can be a griller. Let's go. Let's yeah, get on with except this. us. So you don't grill your fajitas? No. So I will. I will pan sear, and I really like making a pan seared steak. Like I did it. I did it for the steak sauce episode. Yeah, that was delicious. Um, uh, like a flank steak. I like. Uh, yeah, like a thinner cut of steak that I can like. Uh, you know, flip over a few times in the pan and and kind of poke with my finger to judge when it's done. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes really good fajitas. So, do you cook the vegetables in the same pan, like before or after the the steak? Yeah. So I'm trying to remember because it's been a while since I've made them because it does seem like you'd be. Well, no, I mean, they cook pretty quick, like some some thin sliced onions and peppers. Yeah, I think I would, like, take the steak out, and while the steak is resting, cook the vegetables, like, in the in the steak in the drippings. Steak jupi- yeah. jupings. <laughs> the jupings. <laughs> Love those jupings. I said jup- juices and drippings in the same word. <laughs> I said jupings. Okay, all yeah. right. So, okay, when you make tortillas at home, uh, you use onions. What color peppers? Red and green. Okay, and do you do anything else? What else do you do? Um, so I will definitely make a homemade pico de gallo. Did, I know I've been threatening that we should do a pico de gallo episode, but I don't think we've done it yet. I Have could we? swear did we, do it? we did. Maybe we did oh, do it. Well, you know what? We should like do it next week because right now, Matthew, in Seattle, seeing as... It's, it's tomato season. It's tomato right. season. Yes. So we should do it next, okay. like, next Unless week. Unless we already did it, in which case we should do it again. Okay. We should do pico de gallo and queso on the same day. Okay. But we would need to find a queso expert. Like a, a queso expert at short notice. On short notice. The thing is, though, like... Have you noticed that people who who are into queso love to talk about queso? So I have a yeah, feeling no, we could just I like, haven't noticed we that. could just put this out there and someone be like, oh yeah, like I'll do, talk about queso. Do you know many people who are really into queso? <laughs> like who you know as why like do queso I, people? Why do I have this impression that that like some people are really into queso? I mean, I think like like a lot of people are really into queso, but I don't but that, think I necessarily know it. I you know like like. Everybody brushes their teeth, but like I don't necessarily know it. I got I got a new electric toothbrush at my dentist's urging, and I'm kind of into it. It's, yeah, it's like it's not a name brand. It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a uh, off brand, but I but I really like it. It's got like a uh, an indicator if you're pressing too hard, it'll Ooh. beep. 
Oh wow! Because because my dentist said I I tend to to overbrush and and have and that contributes to my gum recession. Oh wow! And it's it's black and sleek and it oh, holds yes. a charge for a really long time. Oh my gosh! It has a funny name that I can't remember. This is uh <laughs> we we should get them as an advertiser on the show. We maybe should. They, maybe they like queso. Let's have them on the show. Okay, so if you're uh, I think it I think it's like got like Lily or Willie in the name. <laughs> Uh, it's sounding right. more and more like a sex toy. <laughs> Maybe I bought a sex toy and have been brushing my teeth with it. But but like I mean, I've got less plaque than ever before. So wow. Plus plus my mouth is is uh, has been so satisfied, sat- uh, stimulated and satisfied. Yes, yeah. So fadias are usually grilled, pan seared is great. Friend of the show Kenji Lopez Alt has a great article on Serious Eats that really goes through in like a very friend of the show Kenji way the best way to do each part of the fajitas mm-hmm. that's on Serious Eats. We'll link to that, like how you know what's the best marinade, how to grill, how to slice. Um, and he says that skirt steak is absolutely the best, uh, but hanger, flap, and flank steak are all good too. Oh, hanger, flap, and f- Hanger, flap, hanger, and flank. Fla- hanger, flap, and flank. Yeah, so the se- typically there will be like a marinade that may have some spices in it. And then also like, you know, it is, it's common to put some spices in like with the vegetables like as spices? well. So like in particular, like chili powder and cumin. Okay. Like I think of yeah. fajitas as always having at least some cumin flavor. Like that's going to be in the marinade and maybe like added as a seasoning as well. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, Matthew, uh, what else do do we have to say about fajitas? Oh, the other thing is like I will I like to throw a few jalapeno slices in with the peppers to char along with them. Mm. That's really good. Speaking speaking of uh, bibimbap, which we mentioned as a dish that uh, advertises itself, I recently went to uh, Oma Bop, Korean. Uh, I guess it's a chain. They have like two locations. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Korean fast food place in Seattle and uh, they, they have like a make your own bibimbap and all the toppings are very appealing and I got the uh, pickled jalapeno and daikon as mm. one of my toppings it was so good oh my gosh that sounds amazing I think we're due for another uh, you know eating eating in a restaurant outdoors I, yeah together, that would be a great you. choice alright so anything else anything else about fajitas how, how would you think you would like your fajitas if you were to have some which you will be doing in my house. You know, okay. So I definitely would want beef, I think. Yeah. Definitely beef. Yeah, because I think, like, I as much as I do like a chicken fajita, um, also, <laughs> we should definitely talk about this on a food show. When I was, like, maybe 13 years old, I threw up chicken fajitas and couldn't eat them for years afterwards. Wow. Like, even just thinking about it made me feel sick. But I, I eventually I did get over it. I got sick once after eating pancakes with strawberry syrup on them at I think a place called like the little girly pancake house in Oklahoma city. I was very young. It was the first time in my like conscious life that I vomited. Yeah. And it, and I've never gone back. Yeah. Last time I threw up, there was a lot of kale involved. Matthew. Matthew. Um, Cause I think it's, it's one of these dishes where like, like you, you don't want to like load up with like tons of meat because like the steak is really, is really like a flavoring. Like, okay. like, I mean like, it it is a meat dish, yeah. but but like you want you want like the flavor of the steak to like imbue the vegetables and the tortilla. Well, here's what I want. I want I want steak. I want you know the the peppers and the onions, of course. I like the idea of your jalapenos. I'm curious about yeah. that. Uh, I would really like some queso. I'm really curious. Okay, about yeah, the queso. I'm, I'm excited for this queso episode. Are yeah. we gonna have to make it? Probably. Okay. Yeah, probably. I All mean, right. given given where we are in this whole pandemic thing. Yeah, and, I think, and where we are geographically. Yeah, I think we're okay. going to have to make our right. own queso. We'll do it. Okay, well, I can't wait to someday come back into your house again. I mean, I don't yeah. know if our listeners have discovered that 
<clears throat> you know, that's why we're recording in the park because it just because we're we're afraid of our own shadow. We're afraid of our own shadow or no, of our d- own d- uh, aerosols. I, I have a child who is not yet able to be vaccinated. Yeah. So you know. All right. Shall we move on to segments? <sighs> yes. All right. Let's do. We got this amazing email from listener Lucas. Yes, and there's going to be a link to listener Lucas's full report on Reddit that is more in-depth than this email, but here's the highlights. This is incredible. So uh, listener Lucas says, congrats on 500 episodes. A while back, I decided to start going through the archives to make a confirmed list of every official perfectly engineered food product. I've only re-listened to around 150 of 500 episodes. Get with the program, Lucas. <laughs> but here's some that weren't mentioned in the most recent episode. We, you know, we did a perfectly engineered food product episode For episode recently. 500, as suggested by listener Dana, yep. who we and met recently. Yes, we did. And here, uh, here are some some perfectly engineered food products that listener Lucas identified that we did not mention in that episode, or and that haven't been mentioned on our subreddit. All right, should we should we uh, switch off here? Sure. All right, episode 167. Mint chocolate, we declared mint Oreo fudge cream cookies. Molly declared the mint Oreos as a perfectly engineered food product and also removed <laughs> thin mints from the list. Wow, that was a busy episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. a lot of clerical work. Okay, uh, in episode 133, which was the oatmeal cookie episode, uh, we declared Milano cookies a perfectly okay. engineered food product. I love how it's Epis- never it says, actually It never has anything the- to do with the episode topic. <laughs> no. Episode 190, ginger drinks. <laughs> Yes. We declared Molly declared the McDonald's quarter pounder with cheese. <laughs> a PFP. I I still stand by it. Okay. Okay. Oh, here's this one. one. This one fits. Yeah. Okay. Episode three fifty one, the Shokupan episode. We declared Shokupan a perfectly engineered food okay. product. Next one fits too. Episode three eighty two, white chocolate. We declared Hershey's Gold Bar, which is made with caramelized white chocolate. A PFP. Those things are great. I don't think I've eaten one since that episode. I, I've had one within the last year, and I think I'm going to get one later this week. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay, uh, this one also is is on topic uh episode 107 pizza toppings we declared pepperoni a perfectly engineered food product and <laughs> listener lucas notes that he remembers someone talking about crispy pepperoni cups but they that might not have been us i'm pretty sure that was us yeah but i don't I, know where maybe, it might have been on the detroit pizza episode did we do a detroit pizza episode? the pan pizza episode yes yeah. okay Episode 93, Jam, Smucker's Strawberry Preserve. The subreddit claimed it was grape, but it's actually strawberry. God, I have not thought of that in ages. Okay, episode 46, Dorm Food, Ghirardelli Double Chocolate Brownie Mix. All right. I have some of that uh, in my laundry room right now. I have in your laundry room? Yeah, we keep, like, whenever we have, like, more than one of a food thing. Oh, we okay. S- or, or, like, all the extra toilet paper or whatever, we stash it in the laundry room. Oh, I want to see, like, a picture of, like, what, what you're overflow items are. Yeah, we always have a lot of ramen, like instant ramen oh, sure. down there, coconut milk. Have you all made all of our bags of rice? I think we talked about this, the um the TikTok sweet and spicy ramen recipe? No. Okay, I need to I just send this for to you. Like everyone's forgotten about it because it was a TikTok trend from like last year, but it's really simple and it's really tasty. Oh, please. I yeah, send it to me like today. You use use the 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 noodles from the top ramen 
packet, but not the seasoning packet. Okay. I make a dish from the New York Times cooking section that is ramen carbonara that does the same thing. Uh, Anyway, okay, go on. Okay, so here's, uh, Lucas says, here's a link to the running list, uh, tinyurl.com slash spilled milk P-E-F-P, where uh, spilled and milk are both capitalized and P-E-F-P is all caps. I am so grateful to you, listener Lucas, for reminding me of all these things uh, that I had forgotten. Oh, yeah, I liked. That's great. And there's more on the on the uh, if you follow the link. And uh, finally, listener listener Lucas says, "I guess I have way too much time on my hands." Ha ha. See you at episode a thousand, listener Lucas. <sighs> Thank you, I listener think, Lucas. I mean, it could happen. I mean, I aspire to be like listener Lucas. Yeah, I do. Like that, in what way? <laughs> well, that level of devotion. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That level of time. That level of just altruism. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what a gift he's given us. Yeah, like repeating our, our words, amplifying our message. Yeah, of, of making hope. him loud and hot. Uh, make, <laughs> or hot and noisy. Yeah, making people hot and noisy. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Oh, and some other person wanted to know why we didn't include Nutella on or Nutella on the uh, perfectly engineered food product episode. Fair point, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for now, but wow. So it will surprise no one that I'm picking for my now, but now, but now, but wow, uh, the album King's Disease 2 by Nas, which came out uh, at the time of recording it a couple of days ago, but uh, like a couple months ago by the time you hear this. And uh, it's just uh, just a little album by a, by a little known artist. So you've probably never heard of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like go on and on about this, but uh, uh, Nas is one of my favorite artists. Um, I his two, two, 2012 album "Life Is Good" is one of my all-time favorite albums. He took a long time to do a follow-up album, which was produced with Kanye West. It was very bad, and I was like, okay, maybe like that's gonna be the last good Nas album of of uh, of my lifetime. And uh, then he did another new album, "King's Disease," last year, which was pretty good. And then the the follow-up to that, "King's Disease 2," is fantastic. Uh, I've been enjoying it so much. There are a lot of funny bits. I'm just going to read like my favorite line of the moment, which is from the song Nobody, which is a, uh, a duet with Lauren Hill. Nas raps, my dog bought a plane, said, let's go to Paris. That's where baguettes are from, French bread that's long and narrow. I like the other definition, rectangular carrots. The concept of this song is rather esoteric. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and like He always works a little bit of food <laughs> into, into an album, and that's not that's even the great. only food reference on this one. So. Um, I kind of feel this way about uh, like Radiohead. Yeah. Which, you know, is like the least funny band. <laughs> That's true. Radiohead's the least funny band. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, they'll make something really good, and then they'll make something that's like, actually, they had a real run there of just, like, really great stuff kind of over and over and over again. It was only the most recent one, like the Moonshaped, Moonshaped Pool, mm-hmm. I think it's called, where I, like, the first track, Burn the Burn Witch. The Witch is so catchy and yeah. yet it makes me feel profoundly anxious. Yeah, There's something it's, it's, it's very like jumpy. Yeah, right? it makes me feel super anxious and I I really like it's the first Radiohead album that I just don't ever listen to. So maybe soon they'll have like a moon-shaped pool 2. Yeah, they like should King's do that. Disease 2. Yep. But it'll be like really awesome, like awesome for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can uh, meet other cool people like listener Lucas on our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Mm-hmm. And until next time, we're, we've been making making you hot and hot and jumpy, hot and noisy. Hot and noisy. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be keeping it hot and noisy right on through episode 1000. I'm hot. And I'm noisy. <laughs>
pico, queso, cumin. If you say these magic words a few times. <laughs> Hanger, flap, and flank. Hanger, flap, and flank. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 